Good morning, everyone. We've got Juno City Manager Rory Watt with us. Good morning. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for uh, having me on. And I uh, just want to give a shout out to some family members down in Portland, Oregon, who are listening as uh, your radio show is uh, expanding soon to take over the West Coast. Oh. <laughs> Well, we don't want to get too big of a head here, Rory. <laughs> but hello, Portland. I've been there before. It's a real nice place. I've been to, uh, what is it, the Devil's Donuts? or uh, Oh, Voodoo Donuts. Voodoo Donuts. Voodoo Donuts and, yeah. and, and Powell's Books. Uh, yes, yeah. Powell's Books. Yeah, I had right. to walk a pretty far distance from where I was meeting to go to Powell's Books, but that's a good place, too. <laughs> yeah, well, you can spend a whole day in there. Yeah. Well, fun shout out. Hello, Portland. So, Rory, I wanted to start here because you mentioned at the Chamber you've been manager for over six years. How's it been since that time? I believe you started as the city as an engineer, right? Yeah, how about that, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I've been a city manager for over six years, and it's been a wild ride. Uh, you know, the, the uh, week that I came into the manager's office, uh, we got sued by the uh, Cruise Ship Association. Uh, you know, that was a multi-year thing. We And that was uh, over head tax, right? Yeah, it yeah. was the imposition and expenditure of passenger fees. Uh, COVID, you know, who could have predicted that? Uh, all of the federal money uh, that came with COVID and trying to figure out how to allocate it. Uh, it, it has been quite a time. It's uh, coming up on uh, 29 years ago when I first started out uh, working for the city. Uh, as a seasonal utility inspector. And uh, I like to tell people the way I got my first job is I was at the Juneau Public Library and I was using the telephone with a landline for free. Oh. And I was on hold. You remember when you used to get on hold? And there was a three ring binder next to the phone and it said city jobs. And I thought maybe I could get me one of those city jobs. And now here you are. Here I am. I was just telling uh, our engineering and public works director, Katie Kester, the other day. I said, I said, you know, Katie, I started at CBJ before cell phones. I had a pager. I had a radio pager. And I started before email. So I'm feeling a little old today. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's ex it's exciting. I mean, we do a lot at the city, and it's really fun and challenging. So it has its moments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's challenging. I mean, I'm human. I mm -hmm. mean, I get frustrated and annoyed uh, like anybody. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's really fun to try and um, do an excellent job running your hometown city. Uh, you know, I have to remind myself that uh, I am lucky to get to be uh, city manager of my hometown, the capital of Alaska. And we, we try really hard uh, to provide the public with good service. And I think we do it a lot. Well, given what we've heard about staffing at the city, I'm sure it would be really nice if a few other people also sat down in front of a payphone and looked at city jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How's staffing right now, Rory? Staffing is tough, Kevin. We've got probably more uh, job openings right now than, than any time that any of us can remember. We've got about 30 jobs posted on the city website. Mm. Uh, many of them are multiple positions. Um, staffing's tough for everybody. Tough for the private sector as well. 
um, you know, we're trying to do the best we can um, and uh, make sure that we are keeping our core services uh, functioning. Uh, but some of those elective projects, uh, unfortunately, are, are, you know, they're going to have to take a backseat. Uh, and uh, as our IT manager uh, said this morning, uh, you know, that one we're going to have to delegate to the floor for now. Just put that problem away because we've got more pressing needs. And it's, it, it's tough. It's mm-hmm. tough to, uh, um, you know, explain that to the public that we can't sometimes work on the problem they want us to work on. Um, that's, a, that's a tough thing to do, but it's, uh, you know, it is reality. I did let the assembly know uh, the other night that, uh, you know, we were, we're struggling across the board. You know, when you have that many vacancies and that many new employees coming on, um, that means that your, your department directors and managers and admin staff are spending a lot of time hiring and training. Um, and new employees aren't as seasoned and efficient as long-term employees. Um, so it, it's a real challenge. And then like you mentioned, businesses and other entities are experiencing this too. But I was curious, have you heard anything from other city managers? Are they experiencing the same problem? Uh, similarly, so I'm in pretty close contact with the Southeast managers and uh, you know, each town has its own different flavor. Um, I, I think uh, hiring problems are, are difficult across the board. So, you know, every organization, whether public or private, to some degree, it's all hands on deck. Uh, a lot of our local retail merchants or tour operator merchants, you know, they're running their businesses rather than managing their businesses these years. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the time that we live in. On the... Another topic, uh, during the most recent assembly meeting, you were all appraised of dock electrification in Juneau and the possibility of adding more docks. And uh, that's the shore power that ships connect to so they can turn off their own generators, right? That's when we're talking dock electrification, that's what it is. Correct. Uh, What's your thoughts? Uh, Where's the need? Uh, so, so uh, several things. So the cruise ship companies are very interested. They uh, want to lower their carbon footprint. Uh, that's a popular topic here in Juneau uh, as well. And uh, it helps reduce visible emissions. I mean, people come here to see Alaska. Uh, and so dock electrification, uh, you know, it, it reduces the impact uh, that, you know, people see from smokestacks on ships, which generally they don't see too much. But we've got dark green mountainsides that uh, shows up against. And, uh, you know, popular idea, technically very complicated um, so we're uh, working on a project to electrify the steamship wharf dock, which is the northern uh, city dock by Marine Park and the, the parking garage and library. Uh, and we've got some long lead time uh, items that we've got to order, uh, load tap transformer that, that kind of allows efficient transfer of uh, power load from ship to uh, the ALMP grid. Um, and there were some concerns about capacity. As well, yeah, right. Well, the, the the question is is how much power do we have, and the answer is depends how much it's been raining and at what time of year it's been raining, mm-hmm. right? So with hydroelectricity, uh, ALMP has a system of hydro projects with reservoirs, and and it depends. You know, they they um, they could provide uh, power in the summer, but if they're not careful, uh, they might drain the reservoir and not have power the following winter, which would be a real problem for the town. So it's management. 
it's management gotcha. and and this year uh you know heck it's been raining a lot we had enough electricity for two more cruise ship docks some years we might not have electricity complicated issue uh, that we have when our electrical power grid is uh, islanded is the the term we're not connected to anybody else uh, you know so in you go anywhere down south you know the whole country is connected so you can shift power from you know a location that has oh, it. Oh, I see. Right? So we, we, we have no other grid. We to, have no other grid. Washington State can, you know, effectively shift power to Oregon uh, to my family uh, yeah. that's there right now or California or vice versa. We can't do that. We're just little Juno with 32,000 people and, you know, the peaks and valleys of our uh, consumption um, have to fit in the system that we have. And plus these ships are outfitted with special equipment to connect to us, right? So they, they must kind of expect it. Yeah, it's, it, it's super complicated. So like, uh, you know, the ships are floating cities and their power load uh, compared to the, uh, the city's consumption, it's huge. You can't just, you know, it's not a big extension cord. Uh, it's a sophisticated system uh, where a computer slowly brings the load on and offline. I mean, if you just brought one of those ships in and just bang, connected to the system, we'd have a brownout in town or a blackout. Can't do that. Uh, and when, when will this be taken up again, these additional electrified docks? Uh, are electrifying these docks. Yeah, I don't know that it'll come to the assembly um, in the short term. I think we'll be back about the first of the year with a financing package. So we'll have to figure out how to fund it. It's expensive. Mm. You know, it's probably uh, 12, 15 million dollars per dock. We're looking at a first or a next phase, about 20 million dollars. So we'll probably do uh, some type of debt uh, vehicle that'll be backed by passenger fees. So it'll all be paid by uh, visitors to the community. But with um, a price tag like that, you'd hope that the asset will at least stay with us for a while, right? Oh, yeah. The, the lifetime of those of that equipment. Yeah, that's a long-term asset. So the Franklin Dock, or sometimes people refer to as the Princess Dock, has had shore power uh, for over 20 years. Um, they were the first place in the country that had uh, shore power for a cruise ship. Mm. Um, and, and that infrastructure um, is ready for some upgrades. So, you know, generally it's hard to predict where technology goes, but uh, it, this will be a long-term asset for the city and borough. And with all this federal effort to bring down emissions and address climate change, I would wonder if there's other grants out there for the picking. Well, we're certainly focused on that. So we're, uh, you know, actively tracking federal legislation. Uh, you know, we're making a big effort on electrifying our capital transit fleet. Uh, we've, we've continued to be successful in getting uh, grants to buy electric buses. Popular idea. It takes a long time to get an electric bus. You can't just call up the dealer and say, hey, send me some of those electric buses that are sitting in your parking lot. Okay, uh, where? Juneau, Alaska. <laughs> that happens to me all the time in yeah, eBay. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, a new electric bus takes a couple years. I mean, the manufacturers are building up capacity uh, and some of the federal programs incentivize um, them to increase their supply chain for production. Uh, we're and, also looking at a downtown circulator study uh, and maybe, you know, moving people around. That could be with an electric fleet. So a lot of ideas out there. Yeah, and I heard the idea got $2 million further the other day. For the uh, electric for the, buses? For electric busing. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, we've been very successful in the uh, Federal Transit Authority grant program. Mm, very good. So speaking of grants, I had wanted to take that moment with uh, the electric buses for a moment because I understand there's a vision to build out, like you mentioned, that capital transit, electric capital transit. Uh, what, what do you think of it? Just this vision. Alone. Yeah, so, so uh, I, I think it's a, it's a great one. Um, we're uh, under construction with our Valley Transit Center, which is uh, out near the Mendenhall Mall. Uh, that transit center has a park and ride associated with it, and the location allows us a lot of flexibility for upcoming route changes. Um, I think over time, I hope to have more express service from the Valley Transit Center to town uh, so that people can maybe uh, leave cars in the valley, which will reduce our parking demand downtown. All, all kinds of things oh. can happen as a result of that, but that Valley Transit Center project is uh, coming along very nicely. Yeah, there's more room out there in the valley for our cars. Uh, yes. At least we'd think. Yeah. Right? So, but interesting. Well, we'll go ahead and go to a quick break, and we'll be back with Rory in a moment. And we're back with Juno City Manager Rory Watt. Rory, I understand the Alaska Municipal League met recently for its legislative summer meeting. What were some of the key matters other cities had voiced? Uh, stability within the state government funding. Uh, you know, at the municipal. That's not a new one. <laughs> no, it's not a new one. Well, you know, you, you got to ask for your number one until you get it. And we've been asking for our number one for, I don't know, a decade. Fair I mean, enough. really, really at the municipal level, uh, what we need to do um, is, is largely answered by what the state is or isn't doing. And if we can't predict the state, it's just hard. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the legislature tries every year and uh, it's not an easy task. Um, and we, you know, consistently are, are hitting the drumbeat that education is a state responsibility per the Constitution. And we want the state to adequately fund schools and adequately fund school construction renovation. Uh, and uh, that's a really important topic for us. Well, at least you guys walked away with school bond debt reimbursement. I know. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate uh, the legislature and uh, the governor supporting repayment of that past debt. That was, a, that was a big deal. But hopefully more is what you're saying. Well, I, you know, that takes care of past issues. And the question that we all have around the state is, how are we going to fund the renovation of our school facilities moving forward? Mm. We haven't done any school renovations in a, in a while, and each of our school buildings, you know, they get used hard every day. You know, they are well-used, well-loved public facilities, and nothing lasts forever. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not even sure when the last school, significant school project uh, was undertaken. Mm. Uh, but we're, we're, you know, we're generally falling behind in uh, the average um, condition of our buildings. It's a little difficult given that every price tag you're seeing is a million dollars plus for yeah. just school projects alone. Sure, sure. You when know, you're talking about the major renovations, you know. Well, we talked about, uh, you know, staffing and labor. Uh, you know, that, uh, that also hits the building trades. Um, so finding contractors who are, are skilled and qualified uh, is hard. There's a, right now, there's a lack of competition in the construction market. Um, and, and I say that must have, did, would you say that impacted your guys' plans for the centennial renovation? Because I saw that and that is 
Ooh, that sticker shock. That must have been intense. Well, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we, um, you know, we've been, we've, we've had the renovation project and we've been pursuing it and we keep escalating the cost estimate because we know costs are up and so it's not just contractors, it's supply chain and building materials as well. Um, and you know, so we had raised the estimate to, uh, about 5.9 million and we got a low bid of 6.4. I'm not sure what the original estimate was, but it wasn't 5.9. Um, you know, when we bid something, we're trying to target what's the estimate today. Uh, but you know, a lot of those projects, maybe we started that process two years ago. Mm, uh, so with that estimate, yeah, well, it would have been a much lower estimate, but in inflation, you know, cost of fuel, uh, included has just clobbered everybody. So, could you share some of what the idea is to renovate the Centennial? I, from what I've read, it's floors, HVAC, things of that nature. Yeah, so this is, uh, it's a ballroom renovation project. So everything in the ballroom so that we have uh, good floors, good dividers, uh, heating, ventilation equipment. So we've got uh, good indoor air quality that's efficient. It'd be much more energy efficient, uh, sound system, lighting, uh, a little bit of structural bracing. Uh, that's a that's a forty year old facility, um, you know. So it it, it needed uh, quite a quite a bit of effort. And uh, you know, my recommendation is always when we renovate our facilities, you know, do it once, do it right. Mm. Um, you know, because it might be a while before we get around to it again. On another topic, I wanted to ask you to explain the situation regarding Telephone Hill. The state's conveying the land to us, but why? That's one of the most interesting topics that I'm working on. So Telephone Hill, the the knob of property uh, downtown, uh, you know, between uh, Main Street and the Four Points Hotel was acquired by the state uh, back in the uh, late 70s and 80s uh, for a new capital building. And we contributed $2 million back then. Um, and over time, uh, new capital building never, never happened for a lot of reasons. And we've slowly improved the existing capital building and added to it. You know, we keep buying properties around it, like the old Scottish Rite Temple and the Capitol School. And we've, we've kind of made a capital campus. So the state didn't have a reason for owning that property. It still does have a number of houses on, on there. I think there are seven houses and an apartment building and people that have been living up there on month to month leases for decades. Um, on state land. On state land and state owned houses. How about that? Hmm. Um, so, so we made the pitch um, that, that that property was ripe for economic development. Um, and, uh, you know, the governor put it on his list of properties that uh, the state owned that could be could lead to economic development. And the legislature passed a bill to convey the property to us. Uh, so that's winding its way through the state process. And we're probably going to get title to that land sometime this fall. Uh, so in the short term, we're going to become landlords um, of people living in houses. And that's that's complicated all on its own. Um, and we're going to be doing a uh, redevelopment plan. Uh, and I think our goal is to figure out how that property can be used to uh, create a lot of housing downtown and support the capital. Uh, and, very, and, and build out that capital campus, like you yeah, were mentioning. Yeah, whatever. You know, and we have to think long term. You know, where is the where, where are the capital needs going to go? What's the legislature going to look like? And 
10, 20, 50 years. Is housing still going to be a problem? So stuff like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And we actually had a caller the other day because we've been following this as well, these developments with Telephone Hill. And to take a far step back here, Rory, why is it even called Telephone Hill? <laughs> <laughs> way back, way back. Let's go, let's go back here for a moment. Yeah, way back before our grandparents. Really? Uh, yeah. Like some, some early, whenever the telephone first came to Juno, the central phone exchange was on the hill. Now you're, you're talking like old school technology, you know, I Love Lucy, where you're actually taking wires and plugging it in and connecting people. Oh, an operator? An operator, you bet. <laughs> so all, you know, the way old phone systems worked is every phone line went from your house back to the central phone exchange. You know, so it was like this big spaghetti of phone lines coming in and operators would be manually connecting people from one to one. So your call would go from your house to the phone exchange and then from the phone exchange out to the other house. And that's that's why it's called Telephone Hill. Because that was a place for it. That was the place for it. Wow. Yeah. It's the central phone brain. When I was saying going back, I was taking, I was saying a few steps back from what's all going on here in Telephone Hill. I didn't know we'd go back to the 19, what is that, the 1800s, 1900s? I think it was around 1900. I think, I think, you know, they, they started phone systems, first phone systems over a hundred years ago. And now we have Telephone Hill. And now we have Telephone Hill. It's, and it's funny that we even use the word telephone, you know, for our smartphones That's true. Not exactly the same thing anymore. No, no. But we're out of time here, Rory. Is there anything you'd like to briefly add? Uh, Congratulations to the community, I think, on a really great Ironman event. Uh, Everything I saw, the uh, athletes, local and from afar, had a great time. Uh, Capital City put on a great face. Um, I think that was really fantastic. And we dodged, we dodged the atmospheric river. Oh, um, yeah. In the just, weather, just barely. barely. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. So I think next year and the year after when we do Ironman, uh, again, we'll be a little more dialed in. But uh, kudos to everybody that uh, participated, planned, volunteered, and visited. That was, that was a really special thing. And with that, that's the program. Thank you, Rory. And thank you, the listener, for joining us today to talk about just our little capital city. This is Kevin Allen for Action Line, signing off.